everybody, and welcome back to Teen Titans Wasteland. We have got a doozy of a tale for you this time. This is our 17th episode. Wow. Corey's in the other room. He was just reading the comic, and he said, when he saw that we were up to our 17th episode, he said, that's some big numbers. But what I heard is, that's a big dumpus. And I thought he was reading the comic and saw a picture of somebody's butt, and it was a big butt, and he was calling a butt a dumpus, which is my new favorite thing to call butts. I forget where I was going with that. Probably nowhere. Let's get on with the episode. At the eyeglasses convention, did you win optics? If so, you can see it's a synopsis. Synopsis. That one was pretty weak. I'm sorry. Teen Titans number 14. April 1968. Written by Bob Haney. Drotted by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Aqualad. Wonder Girl. Kid Flash. Requiem for a Titan. Robin is hanging out in a cemetery with a creepy dude who looks like a gargoyle named, appropriately enough, the Gargoyle. The rocky-faced creep tells Robin to take off his cape and vest, so Robin does. Then he tells the boy Wonder to take off his mask. Robin really doesn't want to be face naked, but the Gargoyle summons giant ghostly versions of the other Titans to make fun of Robin until he removes his mask. The Gargoyle asks if Robin is ready to cross over to the other side. Robin says, yup, and then makes a super angry face. The gargoyle is stoked and zaps Robin with a beam from his ring, making the maskless teen vanish. He tosses the discarded clothes into the grave and gloats that now all the titans are stuck in limbo where the gargoyle rules. Well, seems like that's the end of the titans. Let's go back in time a bit and see how the titanic quartet met their untimely demise. It's a few days ago and the titans are hanging out in their secret lair wishing they were in a rock band. The gargoyle pulls a beast boy and shows up at the TV station, demanding that they broadcast his message to the Titans. He claims that he is an ex-con who the Titans had wrongly imprisoned, and that one of the teen heroes purposefully withheld evidence of his innocence. Unless the one responsible steps forward, he will take his revenge on all of the Titans. The teens spend a few minutes fruitlessly trying to figure out which of their former nemeses is under the gargoyle's mask. Then, the three non-Robin Titans all silently reach the conclusion that... If the gargoyle story is true, which it probably is, then Robin must have been the one who did it. Pretty harsh, guys. The gang heads out to a theater on an apparently unrelated case, but are ambushed by the gargoyle, who zaps them all with his laser ring thingy. As ridiculous as it is to say, here's where shit gets weird. Because they harbor doubts about their teammate, the ring blast banishes Aqualad, Wonder Girl, and Kid Flash to limbo. Robin was pure of heart, so he remains unbanished, and tries to fight the gargoyle. But Gargi is now able to summon giant evil phantom versions of the recently banished titans to smack Robin around. See? Shit got weird. And it pretty much stays that way. During the fight, the theater catches on fire and the villainous gargoyle and his new giant evil titan lackeys pop back to limbo, leaving Robin to burn. Robin is rescued by firefighters, but when he returns to the secret lair, he is greeted by his evil phantom teammates and their new pal the gargoyle. The boy wonder manages to escape through a laundry chute. He decides to try to resume his crime-fighting career as a solo act, but without the help of his fellow Titans, criminals keep beating him up. Bummer. Dejected, the teen detective agrees to meet the gargoyle in a creepy old graveyard, which brings us back to the beginning of the story. After making his evil face and getting zapped into limbo, Robin seeks out his former partners and starts punching them. Gargi pops into limbo to see what all the punching is about. And Robin explains that he didn't really have any evil thoughts. He was just being a super good actor and making goofy faces so he could get zapped into limbo and rescue his pals by punching them. Brilliant. He starts sitting on punching the gargoyle. He pulls out some tiny pliers from his utility bout, which freaks Gargi the fuck out. 
Robin uses the pliers to crush the gargoyle's laser ring, which somehow manages to trap the gargoyle between dimensions and return the Titans to Earth, transforming them back into nice, normal-sized teenage heroes with no memory of their evil doing. Um, okay. Hooray? What the fuck just happened? All right, and joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Hello, Corey. Hey, Hub. So, what'd you think? Man, I'm confused. Understandably so. And kind of bummed out. Yeah. Was this a Halloween issue? No, and that's the weird thing. Mm. It seems like it would make a lot more sense if this had come out in reverse order to the last one, because we just did the Christmas issue. Right. Maybe it was supposed to, I don't know, but it really, it's got a very, it's dark. very dark feel to it. I will say the artwork is beautiful. It is now back to just Nick Carty doing all of the art. Yep. And it's great. Yep, it is dark, but somehow dark and psychedelic at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely psychedelic, and I think that's part of what lends itself to the overall creepy vibe of it. And just the bizarre nature of the narrative is is it seems as though it's almost being written with dream logic, and like mm-hmm. way more attention is paid to the overall feeling that you get than the actual plot points in it. Yeah, so just in general, what I'm confused about is is what... Haney is going for in this? Is he trying to tell us that, hey, even though I write Robin like an asshole most of the time, he's actually the only one of these kids that's any good? (laughs) It kind of comes across that way. Not even necessarily good or bad, but just that he never has any doubt. So maybe it's just supposed to be a never doubt your teammates never distrust anyone. Yeah, it's not doubt in general, though. It's like specifically, are you suspicious of... Right. Distrust, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do, or yeah, do you distrust your um your teammates? And if yeah. you do that, then then you're you gonna become a evil giant lackey of a dude wearing a cheese ball gargoyle costume. In some panels, it is a cheese ball gargoyle costume. In other panels, he is a gargoyle. Yes, and in one panel, he is described as having something like glowing, eerie orange eyes when they are in fact drawn gray. Yeah. Well, they're not drawn gray; they're colored gray. I keep saying that. I know it's un- it's understandable, mm. but yeah. So just first off, off the bat, very weird. I really liked this issue. I enjoyed it too. It was so different. From it's really different ones. tonally than all of the rest of them, and I feel like this is going to come back as we're kind of transitioning from more Silver Age goofiness into like mm. still goofiness, mm-hmm. but also darker Bronze Age stuff, mm-hmm. and. It's a weird transition, and this issue makes it very, very well, I thought. Jarring. So, uh, into the nuts and bolts of it, I think also part of the reason it ended up having that tone is the first, generally with these issues, the first page will be a splash panel page Mm -hmm. that is a preview of something that happens or is reflective of something that happens later in the issue. Mm Kind of like a cover would generally be. Mm -hmm. In this one, the first five pages are that. Mm Mm-hmm. But instead of it being a like, oh, this is a preview, which is what you think when you first open it. And mm-hmm. so you're like, oh, okay, something like this is going to happen later in the issue. Mm-hmm. No, it's just jumping into the story like three quarters of the way through. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens between panel uh, between pages 5 and 22, I think, or 5 and 19, is a flashback to what happened before the start of the story. Mm-hmm. And is done with having the panels be all fuzzy and like having the like... Mm-hmm. thought bubble clouds around them almost yeah. to let you know that this is a flashback but it also makes it seem just kind of ephemeral and unreal yep and there's also just this sense of 
oppression and of of Robin just being persecuted throughout the whole thing by everyone. Pretty much. And it's really, really dark and mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I just, I still don't know what they're trying to say because on, on one hand it's like Robin's, you know, cohorts are, or, you know, in some ways subordinates, you know, are basically think ill of him and then they're punished for that. And, yeah. and then he, though, is left alone and without his teammates, just gets his ass just handed to him. Just gets his ass kicked by criminals yeah. left and, and he's right. he's dejected and sad. And it's yeah. just like, man, there is not a happy... What is the message here? Like, well, and even at the end, when they're all restored, it's... They're just like, oh, what happened? It's like, yeah, we don't remember anything happened. And Robin's just like, yeah, you wouldn't believe me anyway. But he's got to come away from that feeling like, and you guys all hate me and think I'm a dick. Mm-hmm. But I need you to fight crime. Yeah. The other Titans do not come out of this looking good. No. And so the the Gargoyle does his thing where he once again takes advantage of the Teen Titans policy that they will book free <laughs> airtime with a television studio to a special station that I guess they just have on all the time. Mm-hmm. And it does go into a little bit more detail about how that works. There is money involved. There is money involved. The Titans pay the station and anybody can come in and beam a five-minute broadcast on what is apparently just network television yep. that they have on all yep. the time in That's their right. secret life. Yeah, we're going to interrupt this uh, rerun of The Brady Bunch to bring you Because somebody wants to say something to the Teen Titans. It's important. And so it's pretty straightforward. And those are the panels when he's in the TV studio where the gargoyle looks most like a guy wearing a kind of cheesy gargoyle costume. Mm-hmm. Most of the rest of the time, he looks like a demon or a gargoyle. Yeah, yeah, he's drawn pretty creepy for the most part. Right, except for on those panels. Mm-hmm. He looks pretty silly there. And also, he does look silly, and also it, it is aided by the fact that one of the people working at the TV station calls him Mr. Goyle. Ah. Which I liked. Mm-hmm. And it led me to believe that the last person who used the TV station gambit to contact the Titans mm. was Beast Boy, okay. whose name is also Gar. Maybe it is just a policy that is open <laughs> to people who have the first name Gar, mm. and that's why they assumed that, oh, Gar Goyle. Okay, Mr. Goyle, here's a close-up. Yep. Yep, after all the Titans pay for it, so yep. there you go. They're the bosses. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that that was pretty fun. But yeah, as soon as they hear the message, and I think maybe the Gargoyle is supposed to have some kind of emotional manipulative powers that he's bringing this out in the Titans... But it's unclear, and it really just seems like as soon as anybody levels any kind of an accusation at Robin, mm-hmm. all of the other Titans are just like, yeah, you know what? That guy makes a lot of sense. I wonder why Robin did that. The he thing seems is, like a real dick. Well, the thing is, he left it open. He didn't level the accusation at any specific person. Right. And they just all assumed they it was They were all just like, oh, it's Robin. <laughs> yeah, who else would do that? <laughs> Aqualad was the only one who had, like, he prefaced it by saying, like, well, I know I didn't do it. So it must be Robin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody else is like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, I, I we get in trouble. Maybe you shouldn't call people Gilhead all the time. Yeah, maybe not. But the, there is literally no introspection of Robin being like, I wonder why everyone is willing to think ill of me so quickly. Mm-hmm. In fact, quite the opposite. There's a panel in which Robin, when he reveals his scheme, that he was only faking making an evil face mm-hmm. so that the gargoyle would think he was evil and be able to beam him into limbo. When he does that reveal, he's like, yeah, you didn't know that I was training as an actor mm-hmm. under Batman for years, so I'm a great actor. Mm-hmm. And while, you were th- while I was making an, uh, my outward appearance be pure evil, 
my thoughts remained pure good. Yeah. Pure good is what your thoughts are, Robin. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that nobody can have pure good thoughts. I am skeptical of that fact. At least not all the time. But I am absolutely certain that no teenager can have pure good thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, this issue really raises more questions than it answers. It does, but using a very different storytelling method, which Mm -hmm. is the whole thing you just kind of have to go like, okay, I guess I'm being brought on this weird, trippy Mm -hmm. dream adventure. A lot of the backgrounds actually reminded me of Steve Ditko's uh, Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. work. Uh, mm-hmm. Because all of the backgrounds, like they're his extra, di- look extra dimensional, especially mm-hmm. when they're in limbo. Lots of bubbles, um, just like bubbles floating places mm-hmm. and weird geometric shapes, mm-hmm. and it's really cool and really trippy. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just in, in that I'm thinking of the panel in which like Robin's plan to draw attention t- to uh, himself from the gargoyle is <laughs> like I'm gonna piss Wonder Girl off, so she punches me a whole bunch. Yeah, good plan. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that is what maybe leads me to believe that uh, clearly the gargoyle's powers are somehow tied to violence and distrust. Mm-hmm. Because Robin knew that the punching would attract him. Mm-hmm. If there's violence, then he'll be drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, where was I going with that? Nobody knows. No, it's a mystery. I am now. My curiosity is beat. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hmm. What Argoyle is drawn to violence. Uh, right. And Wonder Girl was... And his... Robin. Right. And so also his ring can only send people to limbo if they are having these thoughts of doubt and distrust in their teammates. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a ring. It really is, and it really shouldn't have been able to send Robin to limbo if he was only pretending. It should also be plier-proof. One would hope. (laughs) Here's the... So this ring... Those are tiny-ass pliers, too, man. (laughs) They are even remarked upon immediately... By how tiny they are, which it's already a super dark episode. I was like, shit, is Robin just going to torture him? Because that's what it looked like to me, especially when Robin takes a pair of tiny pliers out of his utility belt and the gargoyle says, a tiny pair of pliers? No, not that. And I was like, oh shit, this is going in a super dark direction. Gargoyle torture. But also, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's the... One panel in which you first see a real close-up of the ring after the initial him using it to send people to limbo. Uh He's trying to shoot the ring's beam at Robin. Mm -hmm. And he's swinging through the air. Mm -hmm. The ring is a scale model of his own face. I couldn't discern that. Here. It's kind of cool. So, again, in in a typical uh, Teen Titan fashion, we have here... A bad... Oh, yeah, 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 totally. See, there, there's this one panel that's he's swinging through the air, and he has his... He's even same. making the, the same face yeah. that the ring has that's when a, he's pointing it at them. goofy-ass face, too. It's a really goofy face. But, so, as I was saying, this is in typical Teen Titan fashion. Here you've got a bad guy that's got something that is extremely powerful. And, you know, in this issue, granted, he uses it to do what he wants to do. But it begs the question... How does some, like, random guy that was ostensibly sent to jail for a crime he didn't commit come up with this gargoyle getup and a ring that can uh, send people to a dimension which he is the king of? Well, I'm glad you asked, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Because they never explained this in the original Teen Titans run. But they do explain it in 1989. They retcon the character the gargoyle. 
Now, he claims to have been one of the foes that they have defeated and put in prison. And there's even a scene where the Teen Titans are speculating as to which of their defeated villains it could be. Right. Uh, they say that Ding Dong Daddy is too fat. Yep. That Shocker's grammar is too bad. <laughs> yeah, Scorcher's grammar is too bad. <laughs> and that the Mad Mod has an accent. Right, yep. That's um, not the British gargoyle. So who does that leave? That leaves um, the pirate guy, or the guy that built the giant robot. Uh-huh, it's neither of them. Or the guy from the from Zokatan? No, it's not the guy from Zokatan, although that would be a good guess. Uh, he's the most magical. It is, in fact, their first villain, Brom Stick, the... No shit, Bromstick yeah. is the gargoyle? Bromstick is the gargoyle. They decided, like, more than 20 years after this. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, okay, so, yeah, it's okay. He needs a totem of some sort. Yeah, so. well, he met this evil creature called the Antithesis, who is the ruler of Limbo. Oh. And first he gave him his magic stick that mm-hmm. gave him the... To control the weather. To control the, the weather. weather. Limbo sucks. Right. So you need a big... Well, he did that before. Okay. And then when that didn't work out for Brom's stick, he's like, oh, the Titans beat me. This is awful. And he's like, mm. okay, now you're a gargoyle and you're the king of Limbo. And here's a magic ring. And Damn. he's like, okay. But yeah, that's been Brom's stick the whole time. That's... They decided 20 years later. <laughs> That's a badass uh, retcon. Yeah, <laughs> it's wow. quite a retcon. I haven't read any of the stories where it discusses the gargoyle as. So whoever Brom came up stick, with that retcon though must have read this issue as a kid and been like, "This is so fucking confusing." Yeah, and then finally, well, he says he's one of their old villains. Uh-huh. What's nice is there's only like six to choose from, yeah. and they eliminated four of them through fatness and grammar, <laughs> <laughs> and being foreigners. Yeah, I think that's kind of grammar. Is it then? <laughs> wow, <laughs> your accents pretty good, are right? getting better and better. I feel like they've improved. <laughs> yeah, no, that's top-notch work. Thanks. Yeah, you're a real rich little. Yeah. <laughs> top drawer. <laughs> Old bean. <laughs> but now you're saying British words, though. Huh? Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm trying to think. It's I, I feel like we with this one, it's a different direction where I don't feel like we need to really go through the whole plot, but we it's because the issue itself is more about just capturing the theme that they did. And mm-hmm. like I said, it really seems as though the whole thing is dreamlike. And it's one instance in which Bob Haney being his usual self and writing wacky shit that doesn't make a ton of sense mm-hmm. actually works and contributes to mm-hmm. the kind of dream logic feeling yeah. of the issue. Yeah. I was honestly very surprised when I got to the end and it wasn't all a dream and that it was like, no, yeah. this actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was expecting a little little uh, God in the Machine kind yeah, of Yeah, but there. no, it, it was not a dream. It was just some weird shit that has got to be tearing the team apart, it would seem. Well, no, only, ro- only Robin. Only Robin, and he... He has to live with this memory that none of these other guys remember any of this shit, and like they were they were fighting each other. But it it almost works in that Robin, the reason he is able to persevere, is because he is such a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also because he knows judo. And okay, narcissism and judo are his superpowers, and so he knows beyond any doubt that he is pure, and that if anyone is questioning him, they are wrong. And so he comes through it okay because I think he's a sociopath. (laughs) And he doesn't kind of need the input from the other Titans. And the other Titans come out of it okay because they don't, yeah. They they don't remember any of Mm -hmm. it. That's a that's a that's a a creepy but I think plausible plausible insight. 
Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, I think this will probably be an easy one. Who is your favorite Titan? I'm going to go with Robin. <laughs> yeah, me too. There's really <laughs> not a heck of a lot of choice here. Yeah. I mean, there was the one really cool panel when giant size phantom Kid Flash first shows up mm-hmm. and he flicks Robin across the room with his finger. But that's not really nice. That's not yeah. something you can say that's the best Titan. Funny you should say that, though, because that is the best panel. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, that's it's one of them. There was actually, there's so much There's so much going on, and the art is so good. Yeah, it really is good. That it was tough for me to pick a favorite panel, but why don't we go through them? So what were your choices for favorite panel? Um, so, yeah, the first one is, is Kid Flash, Giant Kid Flash. And my notes actually cracked me up because I forgot for a minute what I meant, and I wrote, um, Kid Flash flicking Robin off. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to go back and look at the page, and uh, yeah, it's uh, so he's flicking him with his you know yeah. his fingernail like as you would a, a, a fly. It, that, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other one is this panel on page twenty of Wonder Girl punching Robin in the face and just looking furious as she's doing it. And so uh, both of yours are evil Titan centric panels of Robin getting beat up. Yeah, you know, I think I, I harbor some resentment against him for his narcissism uh, and being dude, a big bossy pants. I do, too. We would totally be sent to limbo. Yeah, yeah, totally. That, yeah, that would be mood. The second the gargoyle says some guy... Did yeah, we wouldn't thing. need to go through three different panels of us, our doubts about him increasing to yeah. certitude. It would just be immediately, we would just be like, oh, yeah, fuck Robin. I can't yeah. believe he did that. Yeah, he would have been, <coughs> Robin. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, you for panels? Okay, for favorite panels, I had a few. One is the the gargoyle's ring mirrored by the gargoyle's face mm. panel that, that we discussed earlier. Yep. Another is, uh, and I talked about this happening, but the, the panel in which he describes that he is pure good and a great actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I'm just going to read the dialogue from that because it's pretty cool. He's so pleased with himself. He really is. Oh, and he's also, he's wearing his tunic and... He looks weird because he doesn't have his mask and cape on. He doesn't I'm, have his yellow or his uh, his red. Yeah, his red vest on. So he wears a green onesie under, and then wears a red vest over it. Well, I think okay, he's got green short shorts, and gloves and boots, mm-hmm. and then a green shirt that I think is separate. Well, in, in that that panel, it looks like he's like he's wearing like a like oh a, yeah you're a woman, no you're right I think it is a onesie a woman's uh. Bathing suit. He, he is kind of wearing an, a one-piece. Well, it's got sleeves. But it is a one-piece. Okay, it's a man's one-piece bathing suit. Yeah, it's suit. a man's one-piece bathing yeah. suit. Sorry, Robin. Tough man. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks very different, and I'm wondering if maybe they were thinking of trying out different costumes for mm-hmm. him at this point. Yeah, I think it looks cool. It does look kind of cool. It looks more grown-up. It does. It, it strangely looks more grown up when he is in limbo and he's got some of the like Ditko extra dimensional bubbles behind him. Mm-hmm. He explains things. He says, so if the only way you could send me here with your ring was if I filled my brain with evil thoughts, I just faked it. My facial expressions were pure evil, but my mind remained pure good by concentrating on how great you'd look behind like bars. bars. Yep. I don't know if that's pure good. That seems kind of vindictive. I mean, reasonably so. But uh, that was one of my favorite panels. But the one that I actually have to go with is it's a single panel montage scene of Robin doing terribly as a solo crime fighter. Oh, and yeah. so it's like that three different incidents that all take place on top of a giant newspaper headline mm-hmm. that says 
three titans die in fire, crime wave spreads. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's Robin attempting to fight crime three different ways. One, he's grabbing a guy by the collar while two other criminals are getting away with bags of loot. One, he is pinning a guy down and trapping him while his partner makes off with a briefcase. Mm -hmm. And in another, it's just two guys holding Robin and punching him. Mm -hmm. It's really cleverly done in that it's, like I said, it's a, it all takes place on a single panel, but it's clearly a montage. And it's just making really nice use of the comic book medium. I agree. And, I enjoyed that. I think the most, that's my favorite panel. I like to, in, in that one, that there's this three-dimensionality to it, where it's the panel itself is, or rather the newspaper itself is kind of like the ground, and it's at this angle. Yeah. And all the characters, it's like you're looking down at it from above, but kind of from an angle. Yeah. It's, it's very dynamic. Yeah, it, it, it comes across really well. And in general, throughout it, the panels are broken up in different ways, and it again, it makes it the whole thing seem really dreamlike and weird. It's very dense too. It's a really wordy issue. There's a a lot of word bubbles and thought bubbles and stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, but I feel like there's bubbles. less actual plot happening than there is in most issues. Well, it was so confusing that they needed to. Yeah, but it didn't really clear anything it. up. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it though. Is kind yeah, of yeah, no weird. Is it? You just gotta relax and, like I said in a previous one, embrace the weirdness and kind of. Go yeah, for the road. but it was a uh, it was it was pretty cool. So, what was your favorite uh, favorite slang that got used? Uh, my favorite slang um, harkens back to simpler times, and it's and it's uh, I think it's at the beginning, and it's Kid Flash and, and Robin having some banter. Oh, and when they're talking their... about joint uh, starting a band. Uh, yeah, right around then. But it's a it's it's uh, once again that like inexplicable old timey English. Thing. Okay. I think it's Kid Flash says to um, Robin, um, what suggest thou, boy wonder? Or does that furrowed brow only mean your mask is on too tight? <laughs> it's funny. I think, uh, so I had a couple. One is when it's earlier where they're talking about just, you know, daydreaming about being in a band together. Mm -hmm. And. Oh, yeah, they're, they're lyrics. It's, they're it's, it's hard to tell who's saying it. It's not Robin because he's addressing the boy wonder, but it's the first scene. And I don't know if we talked about this, but the fade in, it's, it shows that the Teen Titans headquarters is empty because the Titans are all in limbo. In limbo. But it's a close up on the empty room. And then as we start to flash back, we see voices coming out of the still apparently empty room. Pretty artsy. Yeah, it really is. But it's in this panel. And it's, it's, you can't really tell who's saying it. I think it's got to be, I think it's Kid Flash because after he says it, somebody else I, I think then Robin answers him back and calls him Twinkle Toes. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But he says, hey, boy, wonder, the Beatles and the Monkees are already from Outsville. So, like, we form our own rock combo, the Merely Titanics. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. And I like that, that they're from Outsville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're split up, I guess. Is that when the, the Beatles weren't split up then? No, I think by Outsville, he, he just, just means, means they're, they're out not, there. Yeah, not that cool anymore. Or, oh, man, they're passe. Yeah. Wow. I think that's what Outsville means. Yeah, I think it does, too. That lounge is fresh, too. Like, if you could put that oh, in man. a house the in Titans Portland. Lair, I want that fucking Titans Lair. That's some mid it's very mid-century modern rad. Very fresh. But my favorite slang is, again, Kid Flash. Aqualad has just said that uh, whoever was at the theater that they went to go check out mm -hmm. is gone now. Mm-hmm. Robin respond or Kid Flash responds with again some kind of old timey talk, but also just weird talk. He goes, "Check Gilhead, 
The premises are completely devoid of personages of any age, shape, or form. Like, the joint's empty! With six E's at the end. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know why he's talking like that, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, earlier he's uh, referred to by one of the other Titans as the the Crimson Jokester. Except he mostly wears yellow. Mm. I guess those leggings. Yeah, well, there's parts of his costume. He's got red... He's get, he has red leggings. Yeah. The Crimson Jokester. <laughs> right. I wonder if Aqualad was jealous of that. He's like, I've got a red shirt. I'm a jokester. I'm plenty Can't too, I guys. be the Crimson Jokester? So, yeah, there's really nothing. I, I was looking over the letters page. There's nothing that really stands out there too much. Like I said, it, it was a really interesting issue. I, I think it it represented a change, and, and I we got to read ahead to see whether it's a change that is permanent in tone but it definitely shows a shifting of mm-hmm. the writing in very different issue but uh really well done the cover is beautiful too oh the cover it's it's easily my favorite cover so far it's super ominous but it's also like kind of psychedelic and pastelish it almost reminds me of um for some reason it made me think of uh, some of the early uh swamp thing comics Oh, I can see that. Not the early ones, but like from the Alan Moore era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like not the old Len Wein. I guess early means when I was a kid. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) I was reading these things. Right. Yeah, that was what you were reading when you were a kid. What what was the first comic book you remember reading? Um, The first comic book that I remember reading was one that I got from, I got the stack of comics from my dad um, that he was into as a kid uh-huh and it was uh tom there was two of them one was tom corbett spaceman Ooh, and it was this yeah 1950s like wearing the round space helmets like right. super square jawed yeah your dad like, was really into tom swift too mm-hmm yep um so yeah tom corbett was one and then the second one was this comic book called gang which was this like horribly <laughs> orientalist like ooh, asian phobic yes but at the same time asian protagonist like oh guy that like had to like swim around and beat up other bad guys and rescue some girl but like but like written with bad like accents and and stuff wow but you know as a kid in the 80s i was just like right this is like bruce lee movies you know it seemed cool to me in retrospect yeah not the first comic book i remember reading was uh, an an issue of peter porker the spectacular spider ham I think I remember this. And I really, really liked that. And then that got me into comics. And the next comic that I remember reading, and I was way too young for this, but was part of, it was the Born Again, Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli uh, Daredevil trade paperback. Mm. And it was like really dark and really different than Uh Spider-Ham. But together those two kind of merged and I was like, I like comic books. (laughs) Yeah, they make me laugh and they make me feel other things. Yeah, like confused and scared mm. yeah yeah the mike grell uh, green arrow comics oh too, yeah the longbow hunter i was probably stuff. a little young for that but it was oh it's good stuff that was pretty exciting yeah <laughs> yeah well uh thank you once again for joining us next up we got issue or er, issue we got issue 15 and episode 18 whoa we're we really are getting up legal. there we will be we're not yet oh we're barely legal we will be barely legal we're right now barely not legal just illegal we're illegal we're illegal (laughs) thank you so much for joining us Uh, i hope that you've been enjoying the podcast if you are drop us a line the email is ttwasteland at gmail.com check out website at ttwasteland.tumblr.com 
Sure. Yeah. Something like that. We're on Tumblr. Yeah, we're on Tumblr. So you can, if you look for Teen Titan Wasteland, you'll find us. And you can see pictures of the cover that I'll definitely post and probably a few of the panels as well. Yeah, and if you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be rad too. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Enjoy! Enjoy, enjoy. (laughs) 